Hubby G with the Golf Insiders with Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Bob, let's hear it for the 40-something Stuart Sink. 47, not somebody who was uh, on my radar. How about yours? Winning the RBC Heritage Sunday. Pretty, pretty uh, strong finish. Well, it was actually a really strong start. Um, you know, 63-63 coming off the tie for 12 at the Masters. Unbelievable. And, and uh, you know, I might have thought that he, that he, that he would have. Uh, you know, cool off a little bit uh, after the first day, or you know, just or just just found a great a great round. You know, but no, he you know he got himself a lead, and then he you know he still shot under par on Saturday to give himself a nice cushion going into the final round. And uh, uh, it's uh, you know it was a pretty pretty darn good good showing for a guy who you know who's you know obviously passed his prime and. And hasn't done much, uh, you know. Well, he's not, he had a good year, but before last fall, hadn't really done a whole lot. So, uh, and to, to hold it together like that, it was uh, very impressive. Definitely a drought, um, as we were talking uh, before we came on the year two thousand nine, which most people will remember was the Open Championship, which. Some might say he stole from, you know, uh, the British Open's favorite boy, Tom Watson. Uh, many remember that uh, unfortunate uh, shot he hit over the green, but then, you know, went into a playoff with Stuart Sink sinking a, you know, a, a sizable putt, by the way. He didn't back into it necessarily, but... Uh, you know, I've always felt he didn't get his due for that major, Bob. Right. I mean, you know, look, he did make a big birdie putt on the 72nd hole that at the time didn't seem like it was going to mean anything. Um, you know, it, but it but it put him there uh, because, it was, you know, the other guys are still on the course, and it looked like there would be other players that would – that would finish ahead of him. Well, they all backed off, and the only one left was Watson. And he, of course, uh, as you said, hit his approach over the green at Turnberry with an eight iron. <laughs> was insane. You know, I mean, it was. I still, I still remember thinking, you know, how in the world would you get yourself to hit a nine iron in that situation? I mean, it was a long distance, but he he just caught it so clean, and obviously then dropped into the playoff. And a four hole playoff was going to be tough to beat Stewart Sink. Uh, after all of that, you know, and you're right. As far as not getting his due, it was more about Watson losing instead of think winning. And, you know, I remember thinking at the time, uh, you know, this could propel him to better things. Like if, if something good comes out of this, obviously everybody wanted Watson to win at 59. Yes. You know, the oldest major champion is still 48, Julius Boros. He would have beat that by 11 years. I mean, it, 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 it would have been up there with Nicholas at the Masters in 86. I mean, how do you top a 59-year-old winning his sixth British Open? Uh, Still you know, gives me goosebumps, Bob, when you say it. Yeah. And so, you know, Stuart Sink was portrayed as a little bit of a villain, although, of course, he's not a villainly type at all. He's, no. He's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, but yet, he didn't build on it. You know, like he... He maybe hung in there for another year or so in terms of the world rankings, 
and then he, then his form just started to fall off. And you know, probably by about 2012, he was out of the top 50. Um, you know, he played in the 2010 Ryder Cup for the U.S. and was really good. Uh, and then you know, then as the as the decade wore on, you know, his wife had a cancer bout, and, and so he had you know he had personal things to deal with, and, and and you know he just fell off. I mean, he was like you know 200, 300th in the world, that kind of stuff. And getting to the age where you're just not expecting him to come back. And here he is. He's got two wins. Only him and Bryson have two wins this season. You know, when you consider like guys like Justin Thomas and John Rahm and some of the other, you know, uh, you know, top players, like you know, Dustin Johnson doesn't even have two wins this season on the PGA Tour. Uh, and and but Stewart Sink at 47 does. It's uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah, it sure is. He won the Safeway. Uh, open in September, the beginning of the uh, wraparound new season. And uh, like you said, he did not back off, and he had some chasers on Sunday. Harold Varner the third shooting 66, uh, Emilio Grio shooting uh, 68, Maverick McNeely, good to see him. He's a he's a young uh, up-and-coming player shooting 67. And Corey Connors, who we've seen a bunch of recently, the Canadian, shooting a 68. Right. They were just all a little bit too far back. I mean, the closest guy, Morikawa, you know, wasn't able to shoot a low score. Uh, and uh, so... You know, Stewart, I don't think the lead ever got closer than three. Uh, and, you know, he might have been a tad shaky on Sunday. I don't think it's easy to play with a big lead either. Uh, you know, he only made uh, two or three birdies in the final round, but it was pretty comfortable coming to the last couple of holes. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a great, uh, you know, a great sign for him. It's a, it's a, great, a great accomplishment. And, and now we'll see, you know, like, you know, how far he can take it. And his ball striking was incredible. Uh, I think it was, you know, the par 317th that he brought it in very aggressively on the left-hand side of the pin. I mean, that is triple trouble with the water lurking all the way down that hole. Uh, You know, that was a, a pretty, pretty aggressive play. Yep, it sure was, and... You know, I think he, uh, I think he was feeling pretty good about about things. You know, he, he was a little a little off on Sunday, not as solid as he had been the first two days. But you know, uh, with a lead like that and with only a couple of holes to go, um, it was uh, he was in a good spot. Let's talk about the relationship with his son. I think we. Uh got a little bit of that backstory in September when he won, but we certainly learned, you know, a lot more with this win at uh, Harbor Town um, and, you know, putting another plaid jacket in his closet. This is his third win. Uh, right. He likes he likes that golf course at on the Calabogie Sound. Um, right. What do you think it is? I mean, the, clearly something's shifted here, uh, you know, and this relationship between he and his son is, is working very well. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes, you know, the, um, uh, the familiarity um, allows, allows for some freedom. You know, uh, you know I, I, would, I would always argue that having a professional caddy is the best way to go. Um, but, 
I think when you're a player of, with his experience and, and, and haven't been through everything so many times, he's played like 600 events. Wow. You know, I, I think at that point you you kind of know what the deal is, right? You know your own game. And, um, you know, maybe there's less tension or friction if something goes wrong because it's your son. You know, you're not going to get mad at him. He's not going to get mad at you. Uh, and it sounds like his son, Reagan, knows the game pretty well. Sure and, does. You know, they, they were chatting a lot. They were talking a lot. Maybe, you know, I, I think maybe to excess. Yeah, they were they starting were to look on. like uh, Jordan Spieth and, and his caddy. Right. I mean, there's a couple of times when the CBS guys kind of commented that, man, this, this seems excessive, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, But that's okay. You know, uh, uh, they uh, it, it worked for them. And, and uh and, uh, and, and and obviously it resulted in a win. And I think, you know, what had been kind of like a short-term thing there last year has turned into something a little bit more pro- uh, little bit more permanent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it's, it's getting more and more interesting, Bob, uh, in terms of the Ryder Cup picks that uh, Captain Steve Stricker is going to have to make. Uh, do you think he might be looking for somebody like Stewart that could bring some – you know, experience, you know, does he look to somebody who's coming in, you know, hot? It's a lot of different questions, right? I think I think he has to look at both. With six picks, you know, he can really think outside the box if he wants. You know, I think it takes a little of the pressure off to not take the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th guys. Like, seemingly, they always do. Um so it's only six that are locked in, and you probably figure he's going to take seven and eight and maybe nine. Uh, but, you know, you, I think you have to look at a guy like Stuart Sink. He was pretty darn good in the Ryder Cup back in the day. Sure was. And, you know, and, and you've got to look at a Billy Horschel, who's never played in either Ryder Cup or President's Cup, who won the match play and is a pretty fiery guy. Um, you know, why not look at some new, at some new angles? Uh, you, you, you've had a bit of a changing of the guard. I mean, you know, obviously Tiger's not going to be part of it, and it doesn't look like Phil will be. And, you know, Stuart Sink would be like maybe the oldest guy. You're going to have a bunch of young guys possibly. You know, Morikawa's not played in one. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, Jordan Spieth now kind of back in the mix. I mean, you know, Jordan is playing anywhere near how he's playing right now. You definitely want him playing in that. You know, so... Uh, uh, I, th- I think you take a look at somebody like Stewart Sink, the, the steadying part that, that he could that he could bring. And uh, but you know it, it's it's still a long way away, and and he needs to maintain it. You know if, if he if he has a bunch of middling finishes now throughout the summer, then that's not going to work. Right. Um, speaking of trying to figure stuff out, this uh, report about a forty million dollar bonus. Uh, what is this being called? The Player Impact Program? Can you break this down for me? Just sounds like a whole lot of dough. Yeah, and it's only going to go to 10 guys. Um, so, you know, a couple years ago, actually early last year before the whole COVID thing hit, there was a big push by this group called the Premier Golf League right. to start a kind of a rival golf league and siphon off some players with, you know, big money guarantees and tournaments around the world and no cuts and, 
you know, TV exposure and, 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 you know, and sort of guaranteeing them being paid what they're worth. Um, you know, there is a sense that this has been said to me. I wrote this in the story that I did on this. An agent told me he used Tiger as an example. He said, look, Tiger might sell a million dollars worth of tickets. He might, you know, be the impetus between the millions of dollars in the TV deal. He might bring all kinds of attention to a tournament. But when they start off on Thursday, he's getting zero, nothing. He gets none of it. He's got to shoot the scores to get it. Now, there's part of there's a part of golf that that makes that kind of cool. Yes. But also, like, is there a there's a sort of an unfairness about it too? Um, you know, the guy who who's a hundredth on the money list who doesn't sell one ticket has nothing to do with the TV contract. If he shoots one shot better than Tiger, he gets paid more. You know, and so there's been this sense for a while that the guys who drive it need to be compensated for it. And this is their attempt to do it. Now, I'm not I don't I'm not really opposed to the idea of trying to do that. But I just don't know if this is the way to do it. Only ten guys, forty million dollars um, the rich getting richer anyway. Those guys who are going to be in there are all making plenty of money. Yeah, not a um, good look, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, the other thing is that the tour, you know, they put this together last year when all hell was breaking loose, and the tour was, um, you know, they laid off people. Right. And all of a sudden they found $40 million. You know, uh, it's just, I don't know. I, it's like, I'd be, I think I'd be, I, I think it'd be better with it if, it never would have bothered me if if you if they wanted to go to some system where all right you, you're top 125 are exempt, but what if they said the top 50 or the top 75 or whatever number they decided they wanted to make it get a guaranteed minimum the next year, hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, you know maybe it's a hundred thousand and but it's five hundred thousand for everybody in the top ten. You know, like, just so just starting out. These are the needle movers. These are the guys who, you know, who, who, uh, who've done the best. And, you know, why should they have to, like, not be guaranteed anything? It doesn't work that way in any other sport. So I, I would be more inclined to rather see them do something like that. And then you've got this other competition within the competition. Like, if you're... If you're like hundredth on the money list, man, you're going to be motivated to try to get to 75th or 50th or whatever number they came up with. So, uh, but you know, this this is totally non-performance based. It's all, all based on Q rating and Google and all these metrics that show how much fan engagement you have. And, and good luck to them trying to sort all that out. Yeah, um, yeah, it says. Uh the list is based on six criteria, including a player's popularity on a Google search, their Nielsen brand exposure rating, Q rating, MVP index rating, Meltwater mentions, huh, and their position on the final FedEx Cup points list. Hmm. <laughs> well, actually, the FedEx, they, they have said, they've come out since and said the FedEx points list means nothing. So it's all based on not none of it's based on performance. Like like I would not be surprised in the least if Tiger finishes in that top ten, because even without without hitting a ball, because you know his social engagement is high, 
He's still in ads. You know, there's there's all kinds of mentions of him. And, you know, that, that uh, thing they put together, there's some algorithm that's going to flesh it all out. We'll, we'll – uh, uh, you know, we'll we'll set them up for for having this this st- these standings, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in there. I wouldn't be surprised if Ricky Fowler's in there. Right. He's not playing great. Yes. You know, so um, it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I hate to I, I don't want to dump on it too soon. I, I'm just I'm just a little skeptical. Well, I think uh, Henrik Stenson was one of the first they asked uh, this week uh, in uh, New Orleans. And um, he said, I feel at this point that I would be better spending time, spending my time on trying to make my birdies and getting my game in shape rather than figuring out what to do to impact on social media. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, interestingly... Good, I mean, that's, that's probably the way to look at it, you know. Um, like, if you play better, those things will be, might, might possibly be better anyway. Yeah, and I think, you know, then you get into a whole nother piece of this, which is, you know, many of these guys have quote-unquote teams. And, like, Xander was saying that his brother Pat handles his stuff, and he goes, I don't even have, I think he said he doesn't even have an Instagram account. And, you know, he said, I, maybe I'm a little old school. So, you know, also, depending on how much of a, you know, really a, good marketing team they have you know that would influence it too exactly and 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 that's and that's probably that's probably what we're talking about that's probably what this what this is all about you know and uh um uh some guys are going to be better positioned than others to to do well with this um and you know but again like it's sort of like that the Wyndham Rewards thing, which has now been called something else. He got so many things going for him. Like, are they really going to, like, focus down on this? I mean, I don't know. It's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's an odd one, and I'm not, I'm not really sure what it accomplishes other than rewarding guys for, you know, sort of, you know, saying, saying look, we recognize what you bring, and we're going to give you this. Uh, aside from your performance. Like, if you perform poorly next year, you're still going to have this. So, we're moving on to the Zurich Classic in New Orleans this week, Bob. And this is this is a fun one because it's a team event. Yep, it is. It's the only team event uh, um, and on the tour, and it counts. You know, a win count, a victory counts on their record. You don't get world ranking points. Um, and I think it was a good idea to do something different. This is a tough week. You know, two weeks after the Masters, there's a bit of a letdown. There's a bit of a, um, you know, kind of a malaise. I think guys guys build up to that point so much. And, and then, you know, now we, we've got another major a month away, and so they're going to start gearing up for that. So this is... This is a good way to go at it, I think. I think it takes a little pressure off. You know, obviously they want to do well, but uh, it's not the same when you're by yourself. So um, that doesn't make it easy. I mean, I, I think that, one, you know, one of the formats, alternate shot, is really hard in stroke play. Sure alternate is. Shot is it, alternate shot is meant for match play, and uh, it's not meant for stroke play. It's meant so that 
you can make an eight and pick up. Right. It's not meant to have to hit. It's not meant to have to hit every shot. And uh, so, uh, but uh, you know, so that, that that would be my maybe my issue with it. I understand why they want to do that, though. I think they like giving some of these guys one of some of the Ryder Cup formats. Obviously, best ball is the other one. Uh, sure. But what I'd rather see them do is, you know, like have before the cut have best ball and then have like a scramble and then make the cut and then do a day of alternate shot maybe just one day of it and make make Saturday the alternate shot day just for those who make the cut and then maybe and then, final then, day of medal or something what would yeah yeah you could go the final day you could go best ball again or you could even do you can even do a scramble you know um, of course you know when you're doing a scramble there's not going to be many bogeys, so you know it's hard. It's harder, but um, you know, or, or you can even have you could have a day of just total full shot, right? You know, every show for both players. Yeah. You know, so like you know, you add them up. I mean, that wouldn't be bad either. Um, I, I you know I I don't know if they've talked about tweaking it. You know, and I, I think there's this fairness issue. They want it to be the same, but you know, like make the cut and then and then have the have have something different on the weekend I think would be kind of cool I agree well uh it's a it's a fun one and um who uh what team are you do you have your eyes on and and who are uh, a few that you think are going to be in the running well I kind of like Justin Rose and Stenson just Ooh. because they've played together in Ryder Cups and you know they know each other and they've played in this event together before doesn't mean they're going to do well but I just think that that helps. I mean, Rom won this event two years ago with uh, Ryan, Ryan Moore. Yeah. Uh, so uh, are they playing together um, again? I I think it's Ryan Palmer. Oh, um, Ryan Palmer, right? Yes. Right, and and so yeah, they're playing together again, and so I think you kind of have to like them since they won it. Uh, so. Um, and but, he's uh, playing incredibly, you know, good, consistent golf, Ryan. Right. Yeah, he is. He's had a lot of high finishes lately. He hasn't won, but he's been up there a lot. So it's kind of hard to, to to nail this one down because it's I believe it's 80 teams, 160 players, and uh, some of these guys don't know each other. They're just you know they're matched up, and you know it's uh, again best ball is not such a big deal, but playing alternate shot with somebody that's such a odd format for people. They're not used to it. You know you. You hit a drive, and then you're not. You might not hit again until you're on the green. It's a lot of pressure. You know, um, yeah, it is. These guys so, talk I mean, about it. That, yeah, for that reason, I, I I get it. But again, it's it's alternate shot is is meant as a match play format. You know, you and I play against two other guys playing alternate shot, and the the lowest score on the whole wins, and then we move on. Right. You know, and the, and the total score doesn't matter so much, and it's really easy to make a big number playing alternate shot. You know, so, um, uh, you know, and, and, and obviously in match play, that doesn't matter so much. Well, here are a few others uh, to keep your eyes on. you got Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley playing together, the California boys. Patrick, you know, didn't have the best masters, but we know, uh, you know, he plays well. Bubba Watson and Scotty Scheffler, that should be an interesting team to watch. And um, Cameron Champ and... You know, my secret heartthrob, Tony Finau, maybe he gets the win this week, Bob. Yeah, I like that team, too. 
long hitting team. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's kind of a you know those guys hit it farther than just about anybody. I think it'll be interesting to watch how they do. Um, I think that's I think that's a pretty fun fun grouping there that they put together. All right. Well, Bob, as always, appreciate your time. Check out all of Bob's fantastic articles on ESPN.com.